This country started a war. The enemy, illegal drugs. And the war is still going on. For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. The Zika virus, now more than 30 cases detected here in the U.S. Flint, Michigan, and how its drinking water ended up contaminated with toxic amounts of lead. Everything's a lie. It's all a big lie. What's up, everybody? My name is Tanner, and welcome to 1980 Now a podcast for truth seekers and free thinkers. I hope everyone has had a fantastic week, and as always, I really appreciate you being here with me. I've had so much support and positive feedback lately, and I wouldn't be able to do any of this without you guys, so thank you. Of course, I have to say that if you enjoy this podcast, if it brings value to your life in any way, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. And feel free to follow me on Instagram at 1980NowPodcast, that's 1980Now underscore podcast, to see interesting pictures, clips, and updates about the show. And a quick shameless plug before we start the episode, if you're a fan of hardcore punk or heavy metal, check out my band Double Crossed on Facebook and Instagram. We have some really cool music out, including a new single called Aliens or Demons, and you can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, and pretty much any other music streaming platform. And be sure to stick around for the end of the episode because I have some really flattering uh, Apple reviews that I want to read off to you guys, uh, you know, so we can kind of end this whole thing on a lighter note because we're going to be talking about a lot of really intense stuff. And speaking of reviews, five-star reviews on iTunes are a great way to support the show, so if you feel so inclined, I would definitely appreciate it. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Today, we're going to be doing a deep dive into the New World Order agenda from the words and texts of the elite themselves. We're going to answer the questions, what are their plans, and how do they intend to establish a one-world government system, and why? Keep in mind, we're only going to just barely scratch the surface of all of this. Decoding and exposing the New World Order agenda and the plans of the Illuminati could keep us busy for endless hours. This is just the tip of the iceberg. But I really wanted to try and lay out some of their plans, some of the really, the really big parts, in their own words for you guys. You know, the truth community can sometimes get a little overzealous and go a little crazy with predictions and assumptions, but that's why I wanted to show you guys what the elite are actually doing from their own writings and texts and articles. They hide things in plain sight because of something called natural law. And the idea of natural law is something that we talked about um, briefly in episode 3 with Alex Stein of Conspiracy Castle, and we talked about how the elite believe that if they, they hide some of these truths in plain sight, right in front of us, right under our noses, that in a way it's morally acceptable for them to do that because it was right in front of us. We consented. And so the the way that I would try to explain it is imagine a crooked car salesman who sells you a, a lemon, right? But you didn't test drive it. You just bought it because it looked good and you drive it off the lot and then a mile down the road it breaks down. And then you go back to that crooked car salesman and you say, uh, hey, you sold me a lemon, what the heck? And the car salesman says, well, that's your fault for not test driving it first. See, that's the way that these elite think. They think that 
essentially we're consenting because they're putting all of these truths right in front of us. They do it in our, our music and in movies and Hollywood and on the news. They put these truths, they hide them right in plain sight. It's a, a, it's a kind of cosmic karma that they believe in. So uh, you just have to keep that in mind when we're talking about this stuff. So much of this is going to be so on the nose, right? It's going to be so obvious that they're just putting it out there in front of us. Um, but this is what they really do. And we're going to see it right from the horse's mouth. So guys, just a warning. This is going to be a very uh, sort of academic episode. I'm going to be doing a lot of reading from different texts and stuff like that. But please just bear with me and try and soak this information up. And I promise you that your mind is going to be blown. And I promise I will try to make this as fun and as entertaining as possible. So just buckle up and enjoy the ride. All right, let's get into it. So what is the New World Order exactly? I looked up the definition on Wikipedia, and I actually really liked it because I feel like it kind of nailed exactly what anyone in the truth community would tell you. You know, I feel like it it really nailed all of the ideas that we've kind of attached to this term, New World Order, um, over the decades. So this is what it says. It says, The New World Order, in conspiracy theories, is the hypothesis of a secretly emerging totalitarian world government. The common theme in conspiracy theories about a new world order is that a secretive power elite with a globalist agenda is conspiring to eventually rule the world through an authoritarian world government, which will replace sovereign nation-states and an all-encompassing propaganda whose ideology hails the establishment of the new world order as the culmination of history's progress. So far, so good, right? Many influential historical and contemporary figures have therefore been alleged to be part of a cabal that operates through many front organizations, like the Freemasons or Skull and Bones, to orchestrate significant political and financial events, ranging from causing systematic uh, crises to pushing through controversial policies, i.e. the Patriot Act, at both national and international levels as steps in an ongoing plot to achieve world domination. I love that. I think that's so good. I think I think whoever um, did made this entry really nailed it. But, you know, some of these uh, these ideas, these steps in this ongoing plot to achieve world domination, just to further expand on it could include microchipping people or a cashless society, right? Population control and reducing the population total surveillance, um, the destruction of individualism, right? These are all ideas that we've, we've talked about. These are all ideas that, have, that will come together to create this new world order. And an interesting side note here, um, the reverse seal, uh, side of the Great Seal of the United States has a Latin phrase on it, Novus Ordo Seclorum. Uh, and it's been on the seal since 782, I'm sorry, 1782, and on the back of the U.S. $1 bill since 1935. And that phrase, that, that Latin phrase, translates to New Order of the Ages. And the reason that's important is because um, y you have to think about the United States of America and what it actually is. Uh, just like the World Trade Centers, um, the, the United States of America was created to be destroyed. Just like the World Trade Centers, they were built just to be eventually torn down. And that's what's happening in America right now. This is a controlled demolition that we're seeing, very clearly in my opinion. And as I'm sure most of you guys know, 
the Bible prophesies about a time where the Antichrist reigns on earth for a period of time. The Antichrist, in my opinion, is coming. Maybe not in our lifetime, but the more and more I look into this stuff, the more and more it becomes apparent that the Bible really is prophetic. So, guys, listen, I'm not trying to preach. Believe what you want to believe. I'm just saying that there is definitely something to this. Um, it, it's just hard to deny at this point. So I wanted to read some scripture for you guys. And again, if you're not a believer, that's totally fine. Just bear with me and try and look at this with an analytical eye. Try and be um, a little bit objective, okay? This is called the beast out of the sea. And basically, so if you're not familiar with the Bible, John uh, got a vision from God and then he wrote down what he saw in his vision. And so that's what the book of Revelation is. And, uh, you know, again, if you're not familiar with the Bible or, or ancient Hebraic or Greek text, they use a lot of symbolism, a lot of metaphor. So you have to, uh, you know, keep that in mind as I'm reading this, that th this is not a literal beast coming out of the sea. Okay, so starting at, at verse 1. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power, the dragon being Satan, and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? Okay, so why am I reading this to you guys? What I want you guys to see is that basically here in Revelation, John is seeing a vision of what the Antichrist system, what this new world system is going to look like. You know, you have um, where it says the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. That's this idea that Satan is backing this, right? This this system, this Antichrist um, has authority from Satan. And then uh, it says people worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, Right. People are going to there. There is going to be this new one world religion that is being established here, and that's the that's the picture that I'm trying to paint for you guys. It says uh, the whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. And again, that's that that new world, that one world religion, right? That centralized world religion. So moving on, this is uh, again out of the book of Revelation. This is called the beast out of the earth. And again, this is a vision that John is getting from God and, he, and he's writing it down. Okay, This is verses uh, 11 through 18 uh, from Revelation 13. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all of the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from the heavens to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. So 
just really quick commentary here this uh this antichrist is going to deceive a lot of people there's going to be signs and wonders and people are going to uh they're going to take that as a sign that hey this is something that we should worship right <clears throat> it ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. So, again, you know, there's going to be a lot of persecution. That's something we've been talking about for so long in the truth community. There's going to be a lot of persecution for people who refuse to accept this new world, this new world system. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of its name and again that's the mark of the beast that you probably i know most of you guys are probably familiar with this calls for wisdom let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man that number is 666 now I want to just back up for a second. I know there was a lot there, a lot to unpack, a lot of uh, symbolic and metaphorical language happening. But what stuck out to me the most and what I wanted to put in your brain is this idea of this mark being on people's uh, hands or foreheads, right? Because this mark, according to Revelation, is what the, is what in this new system people are going to have to have in order to engage in commerce, in order to buy or sell goods, right? In order to maybe go to the grocery store, you have this mark to buy groceries or to get on an airplane or to get on a bus or a train or to, uh, to, to do anything that involves money. You're going to have to have this mark, right? Well, this is an interesting little note here. Uh, Microsoft which was founded by Bill Gates, recently filed a patent application for a technological system which rewards physical activity with cryptocurrency. And this is from patentscope.com. This is legit. You can verify this yourself. The patent number is W020200606. You can look it up yourself. Like I said, you can verify it. Um, and this is uh, the little article that comes from patentscope.com kind of describing what it is. It says, cryptocurrency system using body activity data. Abstract. Human body activity associated with a task provided to a user may be used in a mining process of a cryptocurrency system. A server may provide a task to a device of a user which is communicatively coupled to the server. A sensor communicatively coupled to or compri uh, comprised in the device of the user may sense body activity of the user. Body activity data may be generated based on the sensed body activity of the user. The cryptocurrency system, and it, again, guys, keep in mind cryptocurrency, I mean, could that be a one-world currency? Like, is, that's another idea that we've talked about, right, in, in the, the New World Order. Um, the cryptocurrency system commutatively coupled to the device of the user may verify if the body activity data satisfies one or more conditions set by the cryptocurrency system and award cryptocurrency to the user whose body activity data is verified. 
So I know that was really wordy, but basically it's this uh, it's this internet system where people can be rewarded by cryptocurrency for certain physical activity. And I'm not saying that this system is going to be the mark of the beast. I'm just saying that this could be a soft kind of introduction into that, right? This uh, incorporating technology now, instead of it being an extension of us, like a phone that we hold in our hand or a watch on our wrist, it's now in us. And this this particular system that I'm talking about it doesn't involve a microchip being implanted in you, as far as we know. But I don't know how else they would do it. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about was that there are several different tech companies that are experimenting with microchipping people, right? Um, kind of in the same way that you can wave your, your iPhone over a card reader and use Apple Pay to buy your, your groceries or whatever you're trying to do, or your Apple Watch for that matter. To, you know, you can hover it over your the, the card reader and pay for your stuff. Again, that's kind of a soft introduction into this this system, right? Because... I mean, you guys can verify this for yourselves. You guys can look it up uh, in some of the Nordic countries. They actually have chipping parties. People are willfully asking for a chip that goes in their uh, their wrist or in between their thumb and their index finger. And it's a microchip that, again, they can use <clears throat> for certain things. So, yeah, it's really crazy. It's so interesting to see all of this come into fruition. Personally, I mean, there's a lot of different theories. There's a lot of different interpretations on what the mark of the beast is going to be. But just with the direction that the world is going, um, you know, with the, the technological revolution that has happened just in the past 50 years, I really think that the Mark of the Beast is going to be some kind of microchip or tattooed barcode that is what people are going to be using for to, to buy food or to buy whatever they want. You know, you're just going to be able to hover your hand over a card reader and voila, you can you paid for your stuff. So, and the, the reason that's scary is because, first of all, again, like the Bible is prophesying about this mark, and the people that worship the beast are going to take this mark, right? Well, <clears throat> imagine that this microchip that you use, right, to buy goods, to buy groceries, or to pay your water bill or whatever it is, this microchip, just imagine that this one-world currency system, that this, this totalitarian government, imagine them just shutting it off just at their will, just shutting it off, and this system that you're so dependent on. So just keep that in mind, guys. It's, it's definitely something interesting to think about. Okay, moving on. Have you guys ever heard of the Georgia Guidestones? This is according to Wikipedia. The Georgia Guidestones are a granite monument erected in 1980 in Elbert County, Georgia, in the United States. A set of 10 guidelines is inscribed on the structure in eight modern languages, and a shorter message is inscribed at the top of the structure in four ancient language scripts. The monument stands at an approximate elevation of 750 feet above sea level, about 90 miles east of Atlanta, 45 miles from Athens, Georgia, and 9 miles north of the center of the city of Elberton. One slab stands in the center, with four arranged around it. A capstone lies on top of the five slabs, which are astronomically aligned. An additional stone tablet, 
which is set in the ground a short distance to the west of the structure, provides some notes on the history and purpose of the guidestones. The structure is sometimes referred to as an American Stonehenge. Uh, and then it goes on to describe a little bit more about its dimensions, the ana uh, anonymity of the Guidestones authors, and their apparent advocacy of population control, eugenics, and internationalism have made them a target for controversy and conspiracy theory. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Y'all will see what what I'm talking about. So let's get into what those notes actually are. And, of course, keep in mind, um, that in the Bible, we have the Ten Commandments, right? So the Georgia Guidestones are like, in my opinion, <laughs> the Satanic Ten Commandments of the New World Order. Number one, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Uh, that sounds like population control to me. I don't know about you guys. Number two, guide reproduction wisely. Improving fitness and diversity. So again, there's more of that population control, right? Guide reproduction. Limit uh, people's God-given right to reproduce. Number three, you unite humanity with a living new language. There's that one world language, and of course they love to use words like, uh, you know, unite. And um, they, they like to invoke this idea of bringing everyone together right in peace and harmony number four rule passion faith tradition and all things with tempered reason okay that's not so bad you know i guess you have to dress this up a little bit to make it more palatable for the the general audience number five protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts okay it's kind of interesting i mean there's no such thing really as, as fair laws or just courts, but I guess that's, you know, kind of up to the listener to decide. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. So, again, that's it's kind of alluding to this idea of, you know, you might have these different nations or regions, but essentially everything can come down to this one world system and and be disputed in a world a one world court number 7 avoid petty laws and useless officials uh, i mean that's just so that's so random and and out of place to me but we'll move on number 8 balance personal rights and social duties okay well what what are social duties and why should anyone have any kind of social duty like you know, why should anyone have a, a du any kind of duty to society? Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Okay, that's, again, very vague, but, you know, that I, that's okay. I guess I'll take it. And number ten, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. And then it's, there's a dash, and it says leave, leave room for nature again. So again, those are those are weird. They're kind of eerie. Um, another interesting thing about these notes is that they are inscribed in the stones in several languages: English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian. And again, secret societies and occultist groups are what hold the fabrics 
of the deception that we live in. It's what hold those the, the fabrics together, right? And we've talked about this in previous episodes. Uh, this comes from VansHardware.com. The Georgia Guidestones were built by Freemasons. This should come as no surprise. Let me tell you why they were built where they were built first. The Guidestones were built in Elbert County for a few reasons. One reason, vast quantities of pyramid blue granite, truly good for monument building. Uh, the granite, uh, sorry, the granite continues this day as a mecca, attracting many Freemason tradesmen. Another reason, Elberton, the town, was founded by Freemasons. As a matter of fact, it was named after Samuel Elbert, a very famous historical Freemason, and you can read plenty about him. Even in his day, Elbert's life was spared by a British Mason officer's bayonet due to recognizing him as a Mason during the battle. Isn't that interesting how far, you know, uh, this secret society can, can take you? It's going to be the difference between life and death. Lastly, Elbert County sits on an easternmost edge of the continent. This is very meaningful to the Masons because the sun rises in the east. It is common knowledge that Masons consider the sun and its rising to be metaphorically divine. This is why for over 20 years, Elberton's sister city was Mur, I'm sorry, Mur Kagawa, Japan. The land of the rising sun. Okay, so now I want to bring us up to date with some of the stuff that's going on in today's world. Again, we can only scratch the surface. I mean, we're talking about the New World Order agenda. There are so many topics, especially 20th century topics, whether they be the two world wars, the influence of Aleister Crowley on, on pop culture, the hippie movement in the 60s, so many things that we'll eventually cover on this podcast, but we just won't have time to cover in this episode. I, like I said, I just really want to hit on some of the big stuff and kind of lay out some of their their plans, some of the plans behind this evil agenda and how, you know, for so long they've been right under our noses, right in front of us. The United Nations has several agendas that are going to come into fruition under the guise of environmental sustainability and disease reduction through vaccination, but all of this is part of a greater agenda to inch humanity closer towards the one world government system that we keep talking about. And I'm going to kind of talk about some of those different agendas. This is from sustainabledevelopment.un.org. Agenda 21, Chapter 2. And again, this is from the United Nations. This is their own words. International cooperation to accelerate sustainable development in developing countries and related domestic policies. In order to meet the challenges of environment and development, states have decided to establish a new global partnership. So keep in mind, this is, uh, you know, this idea of states, nation states coming together, you know, in unity to establish a partnership, right? This partnership commits all states to engage in a continuous and constructive dialogue inspired by the need to achieve a more efficient and equitable world economy. Hmm. Keeping in view the increasing interdependence of the community of nations and that sustainable, I'm sorry, sustainable development should become a priority item on the agenda of the international community. It is recognized that for the success of this new partnership, it is important to overcome confrontation and to foster a climate of genuine cooperation and solidarity. It is equally important to strengthen national and international policies 
and multinational cooperation to adapt to the new realities. Guys, listen to this language. They're, they're talking about you know, bringing uh, all of these nations together in, in this partnership. Um, and they're going to do all of this. So, so much of this, like I said, is going to happen under the guise of taking care of the environment and creating a, a more sustainable world. But they're going to strip away so many of our rights in order to do that. And that's all of that is just a front to increase uh, control of our economies, to, uh, you know, the, the amount of goods that we use, the amount of fuel that we burn, all these things that, you know, make up the fabrics of our lives. They're trying to inch towards that, that total control. And in order to establish total world control, you have to first divide the world into these different regions, right? And then you have to slowly move them toward that centralized system. So you have to get rid of, for example, 50 states in America. And instead, you have to divide the entire uh, country of America or maybe even the entire North American continent into these smaller regions. So then you can more easily control those regions, right, and move them closer to this centralized system. We're talking everything from energy to education to currency to water and food to militaries. All of these different systems have to be brought into standardization in order to control them, right? And so that's what they're, they're trying to move us towards with these different United Nations agendas. And then you have Agenda 2030, which I'm just, I'm only going to briefly talk about it, but from their own website, you have their vision. A world where everyone, everywhere, at every age fully benefits from vaccines for good health and well-being. And again, on their website, their impact goals are reduce mortality and morbidity from vaccine-preventable diseases for all across the life course. Leave no one behind by increasing equitable access and use of new and existing vaccines. Ensure good health and well-being for everyone by strengthening immunization within primary health care and contributing to universal health coverage and sustainable development. So that all sounds good, right? They're the good guys. They're just trying to make the world a better place. They're trying to uh, reduce death and sickness and disease, right? But no, they want to move us towards the system where they can mandate vaccines. And like, if you listen to episode three that I did with Alex Stein of Conspiracy Castle, we talked about all the horrible, harmful, toxic, unethical ingredients that are in vaccines. But they don't care. They want to inject this stuff into everyone, and they want to make them mandatory, and they want to set up the system where you have to have a vaccine, you have to have proof of your vaccine, a vaccine identification card, in order to participate in any kind of public commerce, whether it be, you know, trains, planes, um, subways, or just going to the market to get food to feed your family, right? They want to get that uh, that vaccine in use. But, you know, as far as these uh, United Nations agendas going, they, they encode and they hide so much of this stuff in this kind of philanthropic uh, language. And so you, I challenge you guys to check these documents out for yourself. They're online. You can find them. They're very easily accessible. Pick them apart. Interpret them, interpret them for yourself and, and come to your own conclusions. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of eerie language, a lot of eerie one world system kind of language that these articles use. So now I really want you guys to buckle up because we're about to get into the real 
the real juice here, okay? <clears throat> We're going to talk about an article called Lockstep 2010. Um, in 2010, the Rockefeller Foundation, and of course, everybody knows the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, these really rich, you know, oil tycoon families, these these banker families, they're always behind anything that has to do with the New World Order or, or total world control, right? Um, the Rockefeller Foundation published a lengthy paper on some different global scenarios that might take place. Okay, so it's it's a fictional, right? It's a it's a fictional scenario that could take place, and how the government systems of the world might come together to handle those scenarios. This particular scenario that I want to cover is called lockstep, and it's about a pandemic. Guys, there are so many eerie parallels to what is going on today. I promise you this is going to blow your mind. And again, this is a fake scenario that was created to speculate on how the world powers, how the world governments might deal with a pandemic. So I'm going to read it for you guys and just uh, really listen and, tr and try to take this in. A new influenza strain originating from wild geese Again, remember, um, the coronavirus supposedly originated from bats that were sold in a market, right? Was extremely virulent and deadly. Even the most pandemic-prepared nations were quickly overwhelmed when the virus streaked around the world, infecting nearly 20% of the global population and killing 8 million in just 7 months, the majority of them healthy young adults. And again, remember, guys, this is fictional. This is uh, an, an article that was written. But it's, it's not meant to be real. It's meant to be a scenario. The pandemic also had a deadly effect on economies. International mobility of both people and goods screeched to a halt. Hmm. Debilitating industries like tourism hmm. and breaking global supply chains. Huh. Even locally, normally bustling shops and office buildings sat empty for months, devoid of both employees and customers. And of course, I mean, so much comes to mind, right? I mean, all of these small businesses uh, having to shut down, shut their doors. I saw, you know, this hauntingly beautiful, but I mean, but at the same time, terrifying video of all of these uh, spots in downtown Austin that were just absolutely empty. I mean, it was just like this. Uh, like ghost town almost, right? Back to the article. The pandemic blanketed the planet. Though disproportionate numbers died in Africa, Southeast Asia, and Central America, where the virus spread like wildfire in the absence of official uh, containment protocols. Sorry. But even in developed countries, the containment was a challenge. The United States' initial policy of strongly discouraging citizens from flying proved deadly in its leniency. It, what they're saying is that it proved deadly for the government to allow people to freely travel. Accelerating the spread of the virus not just within the U.S., but across borders. However, a few countries did fare better. China in particular. Interesting. The Chinese government's quick imposition and enforcement of mandatory quarantine for all citizens, as well as its instant and near-hermetic sealing off of all borders, saved millions of lives, stopping the spread of the virus for earlier than in other countries and enabling a swifter post-pandemic recovery. See, don't you love how they're praising this, 
you know, China's draconian measures, these really strict authoritarian measures that China took, they're really trying to push that idea on us, right? China's government was not the only one that took extreme measures to protect its citizens from risk and exposure. During the pandemic, national leaders around the world flexed their authority and imposed airtight rules and restrictions, from the mandatory wearing of face masks to body temperature checks at the entries to communal spaces like train stations and supermarkets. Guys, oh my, this, this is so crazy. Even after the pandemic faded, this more authoritarian control and oversight of citizens and their activities stuck and even intensified. <laughs> In order to protect themselves from the spread of increasingly uh, global problems, from pandemics and transnational terrorism to environmental crises, uh, crises and rising poverty, leaders around the world took a firmer grip on power. Ugh, this is so incredible to me, guys. This is not a prediction. This is a blueprint. They laid out exactly how something like this would take place, and it's almost exactly what we're seeing today, right? A little bit more from that article. At first, the notion of a more controlled world gained wide acceptance and approval. Citizens willingly gave up some of their sovereignty and their privacy. Okay, guys, think about contact tracing. Think about people selling each other out because their neighbor was having a birthday party and they had more than 10 people in their house, yada, yada. Think about that, guys. To more paternalistic states in exchange for greater safety and stability. Citizens were more tolerant and even eager for top-down direction and oversight, and national leaders had more latitude to impose order in the ways they saw fit. Isn't it incredible, guys, when people get they experience just an ounce of fear? They're so ready to, to just give up all of their, um, their sovereignty and, and give up their autonomy, right? In the face of fear, they'll just give it all up. In developed countries, this heightened oversight took many forms. Biometric IDs hmm, for all citizens, for example, and tighter regulation of key industries whose stability was deemed vital to national interests. In many developed countries, enforced cooperation with a suite of new regulations and agreements slowly but steadily restored both order and, importantly, economic growth. So there's that, like we've talked about before, the problem, reaction, and solution, right? They created this problem, and then they get the, the government, the powers, the elite, they get to come in, and they get to establish these new systems and create all of these regulations and restrictions to, like in the article's own words, importantly, to restore economic growth, right? They get to be the saviors who swoop in and, and save the day. There's a lot more to that paper. Uh, we're not going to cover it here, but I encourage you guys to check it out for yourselves. Again, it's very easily accessible. You can just type in Rockefeller uh, 2010 lockstep PDF, and you should be able to pull it right up. Uh, but yeah, that that whole thing is just so incredible to me. I've seen it before, but still, I, I, it shakes me every time because, guys, it's so obvious that none of this is about a virus. <laughs> 
it's not about a virus. I don't know how to how to say it any other way. This is not about a virus. This is about establishing total authoritarian control. This is about a, establishing and pushing forward the New World Order agenda, and it's so clear. I just, I, I can't understand how people can't see it. But again, got to meet people where they're at. I'm going to try not to be judgmental. Uh, and of course, let's not forget that Dr. Anthony Fauci actually said all of this would happen back in 2017, right? He did a keynote speech at Georgetown University in 2017 and and basically laid out exactly what was going to happen. So in case you guys haven't heard it, I'm going to play that clip for you really quick. Is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. And I hope by the end of my relatively short presentation, you will understand why history uh, the history of the last 32 years that I've been the director of NIAID will tell the next administration that there's no doubt in anyone's mind that they will be faced with the challenges that their predecessors were faced with. Okay, did you guys catch that? He said that the current administration, he's talking about the Trump administration, and he said this back in 2017, he said that they were going to face a huge health crisis, and a surprise outbreak. How could he have known that, guys? Dr. Anthony Fauci, how could he have known that? But it gets worse. Did you guys hear about Event 201? Has anyone ever heard of that? Event 201, which, keep in mind, it was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Again, Bill Gates has really, really pushed vaccines and invested a lot of money into vaccine research. Um, they funded this three-and-a-half-hour-long pandemic tabletop exercise that simulated a series of dramatic scenario-based facilitated discussions confronting difficult, true-to-life dilemmas associated with response to a hypothetical but scientifically plausible pandemic. Fifteen global business, government, and public health leaders were players in the simulation exercise that highlighted unresolved real-world policy and economic issues that could be solved with sufficient political will, financial investment, and attention now and in the future. The exercise consisted of pre-recorded news broadcasts, live staff briefings, and moderated discussions on specific topics. These issues were carefully designed in a compelling narrative that educated their participants and the audience. And that came from uh, the Center for HealthSecurity.org. This is legit. You can look it up. This happened. The guys, there's videos of this. Uh, there's a video, like, I mean, there's like a, you know, three and a half hour long video of this. I think it's split up into different parts, but it's on YouTube. You can find this, guys. And again, I, I mean, it's so incredible what I'm about to show you guys, but with like the lockstep, the, the 2010 lockstep document, these rich, wealthy, powerful, elite people, they have so much interest in seeing how the world would react or respond to different crises, right? And how 
them, I guess they have this god complex. They think that they're some kind of superheroes because they have a lot of money. They love to see how they would handle the situation and how they would use their resources and, you know, their money and and their power to handle these situations. It's it's mind-boggling. It really is. So, again, this is from centerforhealthsecurity.org. This is the purpose section of Event 201. This is where they're trying to, you know, let people on their website know why they're doing this. In recent years, the world has seen a growing number of epidemic events amounting to approximately 200 events annually. These events are increasing and they are disruptive to health, economies, and society. Managing these events already strains global capacity, even absent a pandemic threat. Experts agree that it is only a matter of time before one of these epidemics become global, a pandemic with potentially catastrophic consequences. A severe pandemic, which becomes Event 201, would require reliable cooperation among several industries, national governments, and key international institutions. Recent economic studies show that pandemics will be the cause of an average annual economic loss of 0.7% of global GDP, or $570 billion. The players' responses to the scenario illuminated the need for cooperation among industry, national governments, key international institutions, and civil society to avoid the catastrophic consequences that could arise from a large-scale pandemic. Again, guys, keep in mind the language that they're using. They're talking about how a, a, a pandemic scenario or some kind of you know massive worldwide crisis would require all of these very powerful elite institutions to come together in cooperation, right? There's that one world system again. We're seeing it. Um, so then there, it goes on to say that, um, you know, there's this, uh, these different recommendations that they have after they did this, um, this simulation. They said the next severe pandemic will not only cause great illness and loss of life, but could also trigger major cascading economic and societal consequences that could contribute greatly to global impact and suffering. The event 201 pandemic exercise conducted on October 18th of 2019 vividly demonstrated a number of these important gaps in pandemic preparedness, as well as some of the elements of the solutions between the public and private sectors that will be needed to fill them. The John Hopkins Center for Health Security, World Economic Forum, and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation jointly propose these recommendations. Okay, so guys, I know that was very wordy. There's a lot to take in, but this is what I want you guys to take from it. Event 201, as I said, took place on October 18th of 2019. Well, according to South China Morning Post, which is a news publisher, and I mean this is um, corroborated by uh, mainstream news sources, the first known case of coronavirus, the, the first known reported case of coronavirus, dates back to November 17th of 2019. Okay, so Event 201 was on October 18th of 2019, and then almost exactly a month later, guys, the first report of coronavirus came out in China, again, on November 17th of that year, literally the, the next month. Guys, come on. Right after they do this pandemic simulation, all of a sudden, the first report 
comes out and it and it all of this just starts. Come on, is that seriously like what kind of coincidence is that? This is just so incredible. It's so hard to wrap your mind around, but it's real. This is really happening. So uh, to kind of wrap everything up, I wanted to let y'all listen to a recent speech by a guy named Klaus Schwab, an old guy. And uh, this is the opening speech. This was his speech from a live stream session that took place at the World Economic Forum. Again, that's where two, Event 201 was held. And this uh, happened a month ago. I'm recording this podcast in, uh, at the end of July. Okay, so this was a month ago from here. Uh, but I want you guys to pay attention again to some of that new world, this one world unifying, uh, utopian kind of language that he's using. I, it, <laughs> it's so crazy, guys. This is 100% real. You can find this on YouTube. This is legit. I swear to you, this is not some kind of James Bond villain or some kind of uh, Batman evil genius villain. This is 100% <laughs> legit. It's so just just listen for yourself okay check this out it is obvious that we are in the midst of the most severe crisis the world has experienced since world war ii 75 years ago countries and people came together to shape the post-war global order which brought us decades of peace increased global cooperation and prosperity to hundreds of millions of people around the world. The COVID-19 crisis has shown us that our old systems are not He's fit anymore for the 21st century. Talking about the old century. systems, right? Move into the it new systems. It has laid bare the fundamental lack of social cohesion, fairness, inclusion, and equality. Now is the historical moment, the time not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system for the need for the post-corona era. We have a choice to remain passive, which would lead to, an, to the amplification of many of the trends we see today. Polarization, nationalism, racism, and ultimately increased social unrest and conflicts. But we have another choice. We can build a new social contract, particularly integrating the next generation. We can change our behavior to be in harmony with nature again. And we can make sure that the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution are best utilized to provide us with better lives. In short, we need a great reset. Oh, is that right? We have to mobilize all constituents of our global society to work together. We must not miss this unique window of opportunity. For this reason, I'm grateful that we are joined for this announcement of the Great Reset Initiative, not only by His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, but by representatives of international organizations, business, trade unions, scientists, and above all, the young generation. So as you guys heard for yourself, you know, I mean, there's just so much, there's so much to unpack there. There's so much um, just, again, that one world system that the elite want to move us towards. They have decided that we need a global reset. They didn't ask any of us, right? They have decided it for themselves. 
Um, you know, all of us peasants need to just listen to them because they have a lot of money and a lot of power and a lot of influence and they're smarter than us and we are just lowly laymen, right? And so, yeah, they seem to think that we need a global reset. And it, I mean, it's just, I, again, I promise, guys, that's real. That is not like some kind of Bond villain. Like, that is legit. Um, that's a real person, not an at well, I guess. Who, who knows? The world is a stage, right? So, uh, yeah, I've, I mean, y'all, y'all, you guys will have to go check out the video for yourself. I mean, it's hours long. It was an hours long uh, stream. But some of the comments on YouTube under this video actually gave me a lot of hope because they are overwhelmingly negative. Um, and I thought I would just read a couple of them to you guys. There was like just, I mean, just just scrolling down, uh, you see abolish central baking is the best reset. <laughs> Uh, another one said, coming from the same political parasites that created the problems. Another one said, first create the problem and then present the solution to it. So many awake people, right? Another one said, I didn't ask for a reset. Who elected you as managers of the world? Another one said, it's not the virus or the pandemic that has shut down the countries and caused harm. It's you, the politicians, leaders, the WHO, and the scientists that have done that. Your decisions, your acts, your edicts have done that. Casualty and correlation are very clear. No need to obscure that. So, I mean, it's just, I love it. People are people are waking up in droves, right? This whole thing is waking people up. And so that's pretty wonderful to see. Like, it can be very discouraging, you know, this whole, uh, this whole movement that we're in. But at the same time, it's really cool to see so many people waking up to, to what's really going on, to some of these deceptions. So, yeah, um, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I know it was kind of a word vomit. There was a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack. But, you know, what I wanted to do with this podcast is kind of lead you guys down certain thought trails and certain thought paths and give you the opportunity as the listener to then go out, take this information and use it to, you know, to open up some doorways for you guys to do your own research. So, um, again, thank you for, if you made it this far, for being with me. I wanted to read off, like I promised, uh, some of these new reviews that I got on iTunes. I'm pretty excited about it. A couple of people said some really nice things. I got some five-star reviews, um, Baby Roller Skater said, Bingeworthy, five stars. I found Tanner's old podcast a month ago, binged it, and then was so sad when the mortuary was over. And she's talking about, uh, I used to, for those of you who didn't know, I used to do a podcast called The Mortuary with a buddy of mine. Honestly, for a while, I believed that Tanner was in trouble with the elite due to all the Pizzagate episodes. And yeah, on The Mortuary, we talked about the Pizzagate thing quite a lot. She said, Once I found his Instagram, and she put in parentheses, realized I'm real tinfoil for thinking this whole Pizzagate Tanner conspiracy. He announced 1980 now. I'm absolutely hooked and have been spreading the word ever since. I love the intro, the topics, and everything about this podcast. It's great to listen to on my long drives and has really opened my mind. Tanner, if you're reading this, I've been sharing your podcast with all of my friends. Keep up the good work. Also, please do merch. Thanks. Yeah, Baby Roller Skater, seriously, that is such an awesome review. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the five stars. Thank you for all your kind words. Um, seriously, that makes doing this so worth it. And, yeah, I absolutely do plan on merch eventually. Um, I just have to uh, 
figure out some designs. I want to wait a little bit. I want to get some more episodes out there before I do that. But definitely, you can count on it. It's coming. From Walt Daddy, and I definitely know who this is. Um, He said it's five stars. He said it's a must listen. If you are seeking the truth, then this podcast is for you. Tanner does an incredible job of diving into all sorts of topics. Walt Daddy, like I said, I know who you are. Thanks, man. Love you, bro. I really appreciate that. And then Mac325Abilene just said, okay so far. He gave me three stars. He thought it would be nice to go out of his way to give me three stars and say that this podcast is just okay. He said, this review could change. I like that. I like that you got an open mind. He said, I did like episode one, not so much episode two. The more I listen, I will update this. Well, Mac325Abilene, I I really... um, uh, I hope that this podcast will grow on you, man. But, uh, yeah, thanks. I mean, at least you gave me three stars. I appreciate that. (laughs) And then last one, Dasher M said, yes, five stars. He said, so psyched, or she, I'm not sure, so psyched for this podcast. This is a show we all need to listen to. Glad to see Tanner is back in action. Highly recommend. Dasher M Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the support and the positivity, the good vibes. I really appreciate it. All right, listeners, if you made it this far, thank you so much for sticking with me. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow me on Instagram at 1980nowpodcast. That's 1980 underscore podcast. If you really, really like this podcast, You can support me by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and maybe I'll read it on the show. As usual, another really cool episode will be dropping a week from now, so be sure to stay tuned in. All right, guys, you already know. I'll see you next time. Stay free. (laughs) 